Welcome to Born to Sell Denver with Brian Smith and Sean Modry. Today we have a special guest, Aaron Brumlevy from Innovate Properties. Welcome. Hi, Brian. Glad to be here. And you also have one of your team members with you. How would you like to introduce her? Yes, Laura Fritz, our Director of Sales and Amazing Realtor, is joining us today as well. Hi, thanks for having us. Very cool. Now, um, you guys have a great story, and we have a little background on you, but I want everybody to hear from you. So, Erin, why don't you start us off by telling uh, everybody how you got started? Yeah, so um, in March of 2014, I was sitting at the closing table, and uh, there was my realtor, Stacey Near, from, from Kentwood across the table, and our escrow officer. And I just remember thinking how polished and professional these these women were. And, and that was exciting to me. And at the time, I had a private uh, therapy practice, uh, mental health practice, in uptown Denver. And I was just, I always loved helping people, but I was just ready to make a change. Um, so... So fast forward uh, to July, I got my license, and uh, fast forward to September, I met Matt Lee, and uh, he owned the Innovate Properties team at the time at the um, uh, Advantage Market Center, and I um, I joined his team. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Laura, what about you? How did you get started? Well, I have a background in graphic design and marketing, and I have been in Denver about 25 years. And after I graduated from Regis, I started working for architecture companies and development companies doing graphics and marketing. And um, after I left that industry, that 8 to 5 in 2009, I was contracting for various um, different professionals, and I got hooked up with some real estate agents and realtors and Loved doing the marketing, the design, the postcards, you know, the chase. Loved the, um, back then you could show without being licensed. So I was an unlicensed assistant and then I became a licensed assistant and just really loved the chase and and the matchmaking. So I decided to get fully licensed and and go into production. Okay. And how did you two meet then? So I believe Laura and I collaborated in the neighborhood that we both live in, in Midtown. And I just loved Laura's energy and her creativity. And she really does have a, an astute design eye. And, and I have a, um, a fine arts background and a design background as well. And so we really connected that way. And uh, we did some projects together. And then I think for me, anyway, I really felt like Laura and I began to trust each other and, and work as a team, even before we were an official team, when we would um, ride bikes together. And so, you know, we were, so I think that was a great start to to our relationship. And Laura was working with Sotheby's at the time uh, as a licensed assistant. And I asked her to come join our team because I was like, you know, you won't just be an assistant. You'll like be an agent and really sell. And I knew she would be amazing at that. So you started as a biker gang? We did. We had actually a, a yeah. kind yeah. of outdoor activities. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah. done lots of races and, and big rides together and, um, you know, just building a friendship and a trust. And I think that really helped lay the foundation for where we are now, which is a really good mix of professional and friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very that, cool. It's very important, right? Like you got to get along with who you're working with. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Mm-hmm. So tell me about Innovate Properties then. What are what was the numbers for your business last year? 
Yeah. So in, um, we actually had our best year last year in 2022. Uh, we, did just under 50 million in volume and um, about just under 1.3 in uh, GCI, and that was comprised of uh, 63 and a half sides. The half is a referral. So um, yes, and our and our business is mixed uh, fairly equally between buyers and sellers. So we had 32 uh, listings and 31 buy sides last year. That's pretty even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the thing that really stands out is eight years in the business, you have a team that did 1.3 million in commission. Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing. Yeah, we and we, our our team is small. Like <laughs> it's not a big team. Well, tell me about that. What does the team makeup look like? So uh, it's myself and and Laura, and we are both in production. We've had the team has been bigger in the past. I think last year we had three producing agents, um, and we also had an additional assistant. But part of our um, transition through the shift was to really have people um, who were producing and wanted to be a part of the team and the positive culture that we were creating. And so so now our team is a little bit smaller, um, but it's fabulous because everyone uh, who, who is on our team wants to be here and really hustles. We have... Um, our listing manager, Emily Wirtz, has been with us uh, for a year now, and, and she has made both Laura and my lives easier with, with, yeah, with everything she does. Just helping run around when we can't be in two places at once. She is there, and you know it's, it's very helpful, I think, for us to really ramp up our listings, mm-hmm. be out networking and, and making those relationships. Mm-hmm. What, who else do you have on your team? So you have a listing manager... Mm-hmm. So we have we have a listing manager. We have Laura and myself. We're both in production. Mm-hmm. We have a contract transaction coordinator, Robert Edwards, through Red Door Transaction Management. Uh, we also have uh, two virtual assistants um, in the Philippines, and those were actually my first hire when um, when I went out on my own uh, and and joined this office in 2016. And what do they do? Uh, so they help us with everything from social media management. Uh, we are talking with them about serving uh, as an ISA. They um, help us with, with organization, uh, data entry, so help us manage our database. Um, and they're, they're really fabulous. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm super nerdy into roles, responsibilities, expectations, structure of the business, you know, those kind of things. Like, um, I think that's the, one of the biggest challenges people have is they're just putting a team together. So I'm curious on... How did you, um, and I'll direct this to you, Aaron, how did you make those decisions as you progressed? Because I assume your business started growing and you're trying to figure out where do I add people and how do I do that? So what was the, what was your philosophy behind that? I, I think our philosophy has always been, and our promise to our clients is that we deliver excellence one home at a time. And so what that means is that our transaction count is typically fewer our price point is higher, mm-hmm. and our intention is to provide a concierge service um, model mm-hmm. to, to our clients. And so what that means is that, you know, maybe the amount of transactions that I can do and provide that high level of service is probably less than, than some other um, models. But so if, if I feel like that I'm not able to execute that, that's when I know we need to hire <laughs> Nice, nice. So you started off, so your first hire was, you said the VAs, mm-hmm. and that was mm-hmm. to help you with 
social media or database management? That was, that was really to help me. Uh, that was really an assistant. So mm-hmm. when I uh, came to this office, I needed to hire, you know, and the MREA says your first hire is your executive assistant. And that was scary to me to be responsible for another person's livelihood and income. And so the VA was, was kind of, um, it was uh, a way to step up to, mm-hmm. to having an executive assistant. Okay. Okay. And then your second hire? Uh, and then my second hire was an in-person executive assistant. And, uh, and she's fabulous. Her name was Allie. And she was with us for about six years. And um, we, just, we just parted ways amicably. Her, her, she was capped on her time. So mm-hmm. she could only work um, part-time. And we really needed someone to work full-time. Okay. And then who's responsible then for lead generation? Uh, that would be Laura and myself. Uh, so I think that, you know, I know our, our splits are, are higher than a lot of other models because we expect our agents to produce. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think Aaron's really good about taking the MREA model in, in the business growth plan and figuring out what really works and, and what doesn't and, and going through there. You know, they laid the groundwork and we're just following the plan and, and doing what works. And she's really good at growth that way yeah. and figuring out where we can trim the fat and where we can really invest and, and make it work for us. Mm-hmm. So what does your day look like then? Uh, the average typical day for both of you? <laughs> well, um, I'm a little slower because I have a family and I usually drop my daughter off. I try to get a Peloton ride in, um, you know, seven to eight. We do team drop off. I have a religious Starbucks habit. Um, (laughs) So it's usually an 845 Starbucks grab and then I'm at my desk by nine. Um, I try not to open emails. I try to go right into the follow up boss is our system that we use make calls and follow up on text, figure out who's, you know, a hot lead, a cold lead. What do I need to do next? And usually at my desk until probably noon or one. I know Aaron is a little bit earlier riser than I am. Uh, you know, I think that Laura and my schedule complements each other really well. Uh, I, I have my perfect real estate day in my calendar. And so it's up at five thirty. uh, exercise, um, get ready, uh, prepare for the day, do lead generation, have lunch, uh, with other people on Wednesdays and Fridays, Tuesdays. I like to work from home Saturdays. Um, in the morning, I am uh, a part of a marathon and half marathon training club. And I've been a member of that, uh, gosh, for, for longer than I've been in real estate. So probably about 14 years of the 16 years I've been in Denver. And so that's really my time, but also, that particular group of people has been a wonderful sphere also. So it's, it's likely generation and, and exercise at the same time. Um, so I think Laura and I, my schedule complements each other really well. I typically like to work longer during the week and later into the evening, but I, I cannot work on Saturdays before 1030. <laughs> <laughs> I think it all just depends too. What's going on. You know, we are really good at, at the work play balance. And if, you know, I've got a, a family obligation then I shift stuff around during the day or the week and, and make it happen so that I can do those open houses on the weekends and, and do lead gen in different, different places. We're really good at networking and we hold a lot of events and we attend a lot of events. And I think, 
that is where a lot of our business comes from as well. And, and those are very important to us. Mm-hmm. We're both very social. Yeah. And I would say, I would say, you know, for, for a long time, our team was, was all women. And, uh, and so I think one of the things that, that because Laura is a mom and her time is very limited, she is super duper efficient. We always kind of joke on our team that, that Laura goes very fast and I go more slow. I'm kind of methodical, uh, leverage systems and whatnot, but Laura just put a buyer under contract. Uh, she met the buyer at an open house. Um, I had a listing, Laura hosted the open house. She met that buyer, she converted that buyer and she just put them under contract, uh, this week. So it was probably a new record of seven days (laughs) and, and she put them under contract for, uh, $24,000 below the original list price. Mm. Um, which was fantastic. And and I'm selling the neighbor's house next door for $34,000 more. So it, it all works out. Yeah. Wow. No, no one ever said I, I move slow. <laughs> Very fast. Well, it's interesting. Like yeah. we've, we've interviewed quite a few teams now and it's interesting how there's usually opposites, right? Yeah. I mean, we saw with Garrett and Luke when yeah. we did that interview that they were opposites and they really just complement each other. Well, well, it's funny you bring that up because one of the mistakes in hiring is we tend to hire people that are like us, right? And because we want to, you know, we, you know, we're looking for somebody that we're compatible with, but that's actually the biggest mistake you can make because oftentimes in business, you have your strengths, you have your weaknesses, and then you have your blind spots, the things that you're completely unaware of. Well, if you hire somebody with those same things, you didn't actually affect your business, right? You just duplicated the problems with yourself, right? So to have those differences, you know, that, that, that builds strength. And so oftentimes, like, you know, with, when you're hiring your operations person, there's actually friction. Sure. Like, I don't like that person. <laughs> right? And I'd say, good, you're not going to hang out with them. <laughs> except, except, Sean, my boyfriend is my operations person, so that might be problematic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> All right, let's talk about your business. Now, uh, I I heard you say something really interesting the other day. I believe you said that in your farm, which is 34% of your business, Mm -hmm. I believe you said you had a 21% capture. Is that correct? Yes. uh, We had um, 22% of uh, all of the um, homes sold last year in our farm. It's Midtown Denver. So that was 81 homes. Uh, We sold 22% of those. And that was actually an increase from the previous year where our market share was 18%. So we we went up. How did you do that? That's a great capture rate. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's almost, you know, unheard of. Our goal is 30% this year. Okay, so how are you going to do that? What are you doing now, and and how are you going to get to 30? So uh, we've been watching the the analytics uh, in the farm for several years now, and to be perfectly candid, I mean, we have been lucky in that uh, the farm, we just happened to live there, and it had a double-digit turnover and appreciation Hmm. rate for the past uh, two or three years. And so we, we have been lucky in that way. Yeah, I think. What is else? it haunted? It's, it's not haunted. It's no. a new build. Just a lot, yeah. of, a lot of appreciation and turnover, and and we also each own a primary residence there, and we each own a, a rental. So mm-hmm. when when clients are thinking about moving or making a change, we can speak to that wealth growth by investments and mm-hmm. how to turn those mm-hmm. primary residences into rentals and how to launch that growth into other homes. And I think that that also helps. No other agents in the neighborhood do that, and if we get 
one more house will own one percent of Midtown. There you go. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that's what we got. We got to work on. <laughs> what is the size of your actual farm? So when we when we're talking about farm, I'm assuming you're you've geographically sectioned it off, and you're you're mailing to that farm. Mm-hmm. You know, actively maybe door knocking. I'm curious on all the activities as well as the size. Yeah, and I and I heard. I remember. Um, the other day, Sean, in the mastermind, you had mentioned that a farm size should, you should start small. And I remember Mm -hmm. Brian, you've talked about going, um, going deep instead of wide, uh, Mm -hmm. with, when you, uh, farmed wash park. And so, so our farm, uh, is just under a thousand. So it's 99, um, 999 homes roughly, uh, and so that is just under a thousand. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Just under <laughs> you, a thousand. You could just pick up and, one more. Yeah. And, we could just yeah, round could, it up. I mean, and then we're now we're actually, we're trying to be more purposeful. Um, uh, I spoke about farming at, at family reunion this year and we're trying to be much more purposeful because like I said, we, we did get lucky. And so we're trying to, we are looking at what we've done well and implementing that in a more structured way. So, for example, you know, this year, uh, and I've noticed there's an interesting correlation between appreciation and turnover rate. And mm-hmm. so, typically, you know, they will reach an equilibrium and then uh, appreciation will start to go down because turnover rate has gone up. And then, well, no, actually, turnover rate will go down and then appreciation mm-hmm. goes down, it goes up and then it's down. So, what we think will happen this year and what I've noticed is that over the pa- every year for the past two or three years, the turnover rate has decreased by 4%. Mm-hmm. So I predict this year, last year over the turnover rate was 9%. I predict this year in the neighborhood, it's going to be around 6%, which is 54 homes. And 30% of that would be roughly 18 homes. So mm-hmm. so that's our goal for, for the farm this year. And what activities are you doing to maintain, to, to get deep, right? Yeah, like I yeah. think that's the... That's the mistake people make is they think they're just going to, you know, send a postcard, Mm -hmm. you know, once a month or once a quarter or a giant postcard. Somebody dropped off like this 18 inch by 12 postcard on my door. And I, the first thought I thought was they spent so much money on this postcard. You're never going to see them again Mm -hmm. because they blew all their money that one time. So what are the activities to get deep? Well, before you say that, I, I actually, I just talked about this in a class. I got a text message yesterday from an agent that said, you know, Hey, this is so-and-so. I was wondering if you'd be open to getting an offer on your home hmm? from a text message. And so I was like, yeah, I actually meant to respond yesterday just to say, who are you yeah. and, what, and how are you doing this? We got to meet. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I didn't because I got busy. And then I got another one this morning. It says, hey, I was just wondering if you got my above text. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought it was really interesting. It's a kind of a new take on farming an area. But tell me what you guys are doing. I, I think when we think about farming, we think about community. So what ways are we um, enriching the community that we serve? So, for example, this week um, we are doing a Women's History Month happy hour at the brewery. And I know, Brian, in the in the training we just did, you spoke about um, B2B relationships within the farm. And so we've been intentional about that. We are helping, um, well, we are hosting the neighborhood garage sale in May. And so we, we do quarterly events in the farm. Uh, when I think during the pandemic, that was when I felt like we really served the farm at a high level because there just wasn't a lot to do and kids were bored. So one thing that we did was a socially distanced ice cream social, and we brought an ice cream truck uh, through the neighborhood. And so the truck moved. So at any given time, there weren't a lot of people gathering together. And that so was, it was an ice cream unsocial. Yeah, it was so fun. And it was just, you know, it was fun to see kids be 
be happy. Yeah. And, and it, and it is nice that Laura and I are both, we both live in the farm and, and I also think some of our relationships overlap and, and we also have different relationships, which is helpful. It's nice that, you know, we can go walk our dogs or, um, you know, go for a beer or Aaron's running and, and people see us and, and we do have a lot of just casual conversations about real estate out and about, but we also have, you know, relationship building that isn't about that at all. And mm-hmm. people just remember us and, and we're top of mind because we're physically there a lot. So like we're both very social. We go to everything. <laughs> so is there ever the time when you're going to the grocery store, not that I've done this, and you put the hoodie down around your face <laughs> so people don't recognize you? We have a mail room, so it's the mail room. If you just, if you got to be quick can't talk all day. You got to get in, get out, go to the mailroom real fast. (laughs) Yeah. And in addition to being social and serving our community, I think we've been very thoughtful about what our media presence looks like. So our signs are great. Um, They're big. We have um, a sign writer and it says your midtown neighbors and neighborhood experts. And so we're really taking ownership of, of the farm in that way in our marketing we also put a um, single property website sign writer on top of all of our listings. Mm-hmm. It's a 25 uh, to $27 expense, and we'll only use that one time unless we sell that exact same property again. But it's a way to differentiate our, ourselves from what other agents are doing in the community. And we know it works, and we know that other agents are noticing it because because they, they try to duplicate mm-hmm. it, which is is flattering. you know. So So now we've switched our... Uh, sign writer to a hundred plus happy midtown homeowners served. I love that because no one else can say that. Yeah. And we've sold three times as many homes um, as a team uh, more than anyone else in the farm. You know, people have asked me in the past, do billboards work? And um, most of the time I tell them no, but there's a billboard next to my neighborhood. That's the most brilliant billboard. And it started off saying we've sold 12 houses in this neighborhood. And then it went to 25 and 35 and 55 and now it's 60 so it reminds you of the mcdonald's burgers served right yeah. when it was under a billion right um i love that marketing mm-hmm. i love that mm-hmm. yeah we um and we're really we love stats so i just did a postcard recently and i shared it at the mastermind and it talked about more so eight percent our team will get you eight percent more than mm-hmm. the neighborhood average and our team will sell your home for 31 dollars price per square square foot more than the neighborhood average. And so people like to know, you know, people like to know what we can do for them. What are the results that, that we can give them mm-hmm. in addition to all the nice, warm, fuzzy stuff? Yeah. What was the time frame to get to this point in your farm? How long did it take? So I, I think that Laura and I were both, um, we're both sort of uh, OGs in Midtown. So my house was the 31st house there. And, and at that time, I was. I had also been newly licensed, uh, so we closed on our house. I loved the realtor. She changed my life, and I wanted to do that same thing for other people. Mm. So I was a new agent. I was reading the MREA. I was just doing the things. So I was door knocking. We were doing open houses. We still do open houses. Uh, I feel like an open house should be a celebration. Uh, so, so we really enjoy that. We always have a giveaway at our open house. Yeah, fun stuff. We yeah. were... We were the sixth house in phase two. We also built from the ground up, my partner and I, and I was newly licensed at that time. So I'm just, you know, a couple of years behind on that side and just by default getting out and meeting people and, and 
right opening your doors and, and seeing everyone that you normally see when they walk by and pop into your open houses. And who can better sell a neighborhood than, than people who own, live, and invest in that neighborhood. Well, and Laura has donated a lot of her time in the neighborhood by by making really beautiful graphic design um, for the garden committee. Mm-hmm. She made a really cool website and, and little uh, punch card. And then for the garage sales, like anything beautiful that, that is in our marketing, Laura probably made it. And so she connects with the community in that specific way, which makes us look good. Well, I think you both probably connect different ways. One thing that you said that stood out to me was um, you like stats, you like numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like that too. And, you know, Sean probably failed math. And so he probably doesn't like that stuff. <clears throat> that's, that's I had a party so, after my last math class in college. I was going to actually ask like, you. Literally Laura, a celebration <laughs> that I never had to do it again. Like, are you more of a connector in a different way than, than what Aaron I call Aaron doing? for the stats and I call Aaron to double check my stats even when I pull it. And I mean, I know a couple, I know what my numbers exactly are, um, but I think I'm more of a people person and I think I just can connect with people that we've not met and, um, you know, all of my clients that have been signed calls or strangers or unmets become very close friends. And to this day, like, you know, I've got a great network just because of, you know, people that I've met through this business and, and I've had, you know, I've been here 25 years. I've got a great relationship with the city of Denver and and the suburbs, but it's fun to grow your friend network through work. Yeah, it is. Well, I got a question on that because, you know, how do you manage all those relationships as your business continues to grow, right? It gets to the point where you maybe can't make birthday parties or, you know, uh, no, I holi- holiday I parties. I will. I You're going to make them all? I do it. Really? I'm busy. So <laughs> I never say no, and that's probably my biggest weakness. No, I think that's a strength. Yeah. <laughs> well, oftentimes I strength try to do is it our all, weakness, honestly. right? Yeah. Because I love it, and I love... Being with those people, I just threw myself a, a milestone birthday party and we had an amazing turnout and it was a really great mix of professional and personal relationships and everyone meshed really well from all the different walks of life and I think it was really, really fun to get all those people in one room and and say, this is my people, I love these guys. And I think I think we leverage other things so that we can focus on relationships. So Emily has been instrumental in that way and that... I'm no longer dropping off booties at a, mm-hmm. at a property or meeting the photographer. Um, so, so that, and then I think also, you know, I leverage, and I, I know Laura does this too, a lot of chores in my home life. Like Absolutely. I don't do my laundry. Mm-hmm. I don't, um, I have a cleaner come to the house. So, so anything that is not a dollar producing activity for me, I, I try to leverage out. And I'm, and I'm fortunate that, that I have a great partner in, in my boyfriend, Lance, and that, you know, he, he provides a lot of leverage for us. Um, yeah. Very cool. Okay. So let's switch gears and talk about your database, mm-hmm. your past clients mm-hmm. and referrals. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that business. And, uh, you said it's 42% of mm-hmm. your business. Yep. Correct? So 42% of our business in 2022 came from uh, sphere and past clients. 34% of our business, uh, came from geographic farming Uh, Then after that would be referrals, uh, sign calls. So, um, and I think, again, for our database, we we do, we are intentional about events. I think we're really good at events. And then how we leverage that is we typically hire um, an event planner to to help us with all of the details. And and that's nice because it's it's an event 
specific, you know, time limited contractual hire. And so, and that's their area of expertise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are you doing to stay connected? What database tool are you using? So we, uh, we use command. We also use follow up boss. Um, we also use curator. Uh, so I love curator and that it helps, uh, generate, uh, weekly content for us to send out to our database and, and I'll be the first one to admit it. I mean, we could do so much more business with our database, um, and that we, you know, I do need to do the D2D call plan on a, on a more regular basis. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So curators giving you the content to send out mm-hmm. to your database through command and, and other sources. Mm-hmm. Well, I, w- I would really love our sphere to think that I write all of those b- brilliant blogs myself. Well, they do. But, but uh, you know. <laughs> she does great with the newsletter. Erin um, yep. does amazing. Mm-hmm. You do create a lot of content, but you, everyone need, needs a supplement. I mean, mm-hmm. no social media is, is one person. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That's for sure. So where is Innovate Properties going now? What's the next step? So, so Laura has an investment property in uh, Keystone in Summit County, and I know that that is an area of her business that she really uh, seeks to grow. And I like to ski in Grand County, so then we'll have all of the you know Front Range resort areas covered. Uh, we definitely, you know, I know my coach has shared with me that the level of team that we have, level four or five, is is truly one of the most profitable levels of uh, teams you can have as far as a seventh level team. And so one thing that's been nice about our business so far is that we have been profitable and, you know, I've been able to be independent and, and buy my home and I feel comfortable financially. And so now we have more resources to, to put back into the business. Mm. We've always led with uh, revenue, and we'll, we'll continue to do that. We, we are hiring, so we are looking for talent, if you know anyone. Well, tell us what you're looking for. So do you want to share, Laura? Uh, you go ahead. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so I think, and how I spoke about Emily in that, you know, she takes a lot off of Laura and I's plates uh, in terms of the day-to-day activities for the for the listing manager side. I would really love to have that on the buy side. And uh, we, have, we have an ISA in our VA, but I would really love to have an ISA and, and showing assistant uh, hire. And, and probably we will, we will hire two of those people. Um, Laura and I are doing her, her performance review and, uh, later on today. And then Emily's performance review is, is happening as well. And so I think part of the reason we had turnover last year is that we didn't, I didn't, um, enforce the, the standards of our team. So we have, you know, our, our sales specialist standards of excellence, and it's, it's not really that hard. It's just, you know, common sense, but, but I think meeting with people on a regular basis is, is, and holding them accountable is really important to growing a team. What's on that list? I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an, an example would be, uh, holding two open houses for two hours, uh, two to three times a month. So I actually lowered the standards last year because I wanted to, and this, I want, my intention was that I wanted to make the team big enough for everyone who wanted to be a part of it. 
but in lowering the standards, they still weren't met. And that's when we needed to make a change. Never lower your standards. Yeah. No, I I learned that now. (laughs) Yeah. Because the the problem with, and it's a real common thing right now, right? And trying to find employees is if you're, you feel like if my standards are too high, I won't attract enough employees the pool won't be big enough. I won't get talent, but talent follows standards, Mm -hmm. right? Talent follows progress. Talents falls, follows success. And so if you have high standards, you're going to attract other people that are attracted to high standards. If they have them or not, you know, they're going to be attracted to that. But when we drop our standards, yeah, then they're just not going to meet those either because Mm -hmm. high standards are never met. Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. why they're high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think of it as more of just a routine, less standards, more routine. You know, what are you doing to continue your growth and to, to keep up on your production? Mm-hmm. You know, a meeting, um, chats, check-ins, uh, coaching, all that stuff, the open houses, it's, it all just falls into what you should be doing anyways. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that we're doing this year that we really haven't done in the past is we're going to focus more on, on a paid lead generation model. And mm-hmm. so we've, we've never really done that in the past. We've never paid for leads. It's all been sphere. And, um, I think that has helped us, uh, have a very, it, like a good price point. Um, and, and I'm proud of that. And so, that is one thing that we're implementing this year, and, and thanks, Brian, for suggesting that. Uh, and so that's why we need um, people to help us work those leads. Mm-hmm. So so curious, what lead demographic are you going after? Buyers? Sellers? So we're partnering with the, the Speculo group. Mm-hmm. Um, we just signed up with them. Uh, this will last week. And so I think that I think that'll be a nice compliment to what we do because it is very targeted geographically. Mm-hmm. And so I want to see our little map and be very intentional about where those internet leads and that Google um, SEO search engine optimization mm-hmm. and, and uh, ads and stuff, where is that overlaying with what we're already doing yeah. so, so that we can capture a, a bigger percent. Yeah, I that. think that's a, actually a really smart fit for your business model. Cause as soon as you said that you're going to get into online leads, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, you're going to ruin their perfect fourth level business. But no, you're right. Yeah. Speculo is a great option because it's so much involved in branding and content and SEO generation that it's going to be able to keep that focus in the market that you're in. Mm-hmm. So I applaud you on that. that a, that's a smart move. Well, I learned that. I heard that at our at our mastermind. That's right. where I got the idea. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> cool. And it's I a like very it. specific location yeah. where we want to grow and the price point that we want to hit. It's it's not all over Denver. We're not running around. You know, we're not in Colorado Springs or anything right. like that. It's very specific, which I think is is very beneficial and smart. And that's and that's part of our high level of service model is mm-hmm. that I just simply cannot um, service uh, a listing effectively. If it's, if it's more than 40 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, w- I would much rather refer that to a KW agent in Fort Collins or Colorado Springs, as opposed to, to try to, you know, fool myself that we could provide the, the highest level of service to those folks. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So is there anything that you started doing recently that worked really well? And is there anything that you tried that just was a complete bomb? Great question. Hmm. I'm going to think about that. She's like, I've never made a mistake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think uh, some of the things that we've done in the past, and I thought it was going to work better than it actually did. So uh, we, and, and we'll probably try it again, 
But in uh, 2017 and 2018, I worked with uh, David Weekly. They're one of the largest uh, production home builders nationally. And I um, listed all of their inventory homes. Uh, it's called the, the Metro Collection in Midtown. So it was about, you know, 20 homes. And, and it was good in that it helped us get our transaction count high. It helped us uh, get buyer leads from the open houses. But the challenging part, it was a lot of work for, for not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, so I think this idea that, you know, and, and if a builder wants to come and prove me wrong, please do. Uh, <laughs> but this idea that you're going to partner with a home builder and it's going to be really lucrative um, from the home builder is just not true. The home builder can, can help you get leverage to, mm-hmm. um, to serve buyers and sellers. Mm-hmm. I think something that we're doing really well, and we started, you know, about a year ago, is um, uh, every other month we do a giveaway, mm-hmm. and it's kind of that reverse prospecting where our sphere calls into us, and we get to connect and have fun conversations with our friends and family, and you know, people who are um, leads or interested in our business, and, and just opens up a conversation about what we can do and and there's a fun end to it. You get a really cool prize. Yeah, people, yeah. We, and I loved it because. I love to give away like the girly stuff. Like we've given away a Dyson air wrap. We've given away a Dyson hairdryer. Uh, we've, we've given coffee away maker, coffee and maker, cool Yeti coolers. And, yeah. You know, Roomba vacuum. Yeah. And so that's kind of fun because the, the competition in our farm where they're only like mostly lady team in our farm. And so it's, it's nice to, to give away those kinds of things as a, to, to go after a niche. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, um, What's that concept in marketing where it's like um, you're you go after a specific specific niche and, and and in fact you're excluding other other people but it helps you be deep in that particular yeah it's niche. just a, it's just building out the avatar the demographic avatar of who yes. you're targeting yeah um, I'd like to double back for a second about this uh, builder conversation because I think that there's some a lot of wisdom in this which is. You mentioned earlier that you're at a fourth level team and it's the most profitable. And so a lot of agents that are listening are probably thinking, I want to grow, grow, grow. But to your point about working with the builder, there was some benefits of that from a branding and, and transaction count that worked out. Mm-hmm. But a lot of agents, and I've made this mistake, you know, I had um, multiple accounts, uh, REO accounts, builder accounts, and those kind of things. And at the end of the day, I remember my business partner said to me one time, he says, you know, you're making about $400 a, a deal. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he sat me down and we walked through the numbers with all the traveling I had to do to maintain the relationships and wow. managing the field. I, I mean, I was making, I was like 550 bucks a, a, a deal was the profit, you know? And, and he's like, why are you doing this? Like, you're crazy. And so that's the mistake of scaling for the sake of scaling, mm-hmm. right? Which what I love about the, your thoughtfulness about your business, you obviously know your numbers, you're paying attention to your numbers, you're paying attention to what you're trying to accomplish in a period of time that's within your ability, instead of just going out there and saying, okay, hey, I got an extra 100,000 bucks, let's burn this. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we've, we've always been at, at 35% or more profitability, so around 40%. And, and what we do with that is, you know, that's, that's important to me because I, like the people on our team I care about. And, I, mm-hmm. and we have a responsibility to, to help them have, good li- have great lives. And so, you know, there's, I, don't want to, I, I don't want to grow 
in a way that, that I will have to step backwards. Mm -hmm. So, but, but perhaps I could take more risk. So as I'm saying that out loud, (laughs) healthy risks. Well, I asked you that question in the email. I said, what's your big why? And you Mm -hmm. said, you know, you struggle with that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't know, Laura, if you want to talk about your big why, and I'll, I'll talk about mine too, but if you want to talk about Yeah, I think mine is just family and, and continuing the growth. You know, I own two, three properties in Denver Metro and one in Summit and managing those is, is challenging, but has been a very, very good source of, you know, growth and, and wealth for me personally and my family. And I think that's amazing. And, and I wouldn't be able to do this if I wasn't in this industry, you know, we do have insider information and, you know, it's, it's fun to snag deals and, and get in before anyone else does, but I've definitely competed and I've definitely gone over and I've definitely gapped appraisal too. And I've mm-hmm. still won and I've still come out ahead on the other side. And so I think my big why is to just keep that growth intact for, for my daughter and any future family that I have so that she, you know, she's going to be licensed when she's 18. She's going to be an assistant. She's going to start <laughs> showing. I've already got it all planned out. I mean, it's so lucrative. Why wouldn't she have a part-time job, you know, doing this? And my kids want nothing to do. And with then she thing. can do whatever she wants when, <laughs> you know, when she's after that, but you know, we, she'll have, she'll have the investments forever. So yeah. Yeah. That- that's building a legacy. It's, yeah. it's generational wealth. Yeah, that's exactly what right. we're after. Yeah, yeah. I, and just to to add to what Laura was saying is that, you know, I think a family and, and my team is my family. And so that's part of my big why. But, but sometimes, and I, I think I've shared this with you, Brian, is that like I feel like a big why sometimes with how people talk about it, it just feels a little grandiose and, mm-hmm. and artificial to me because, you know, like bottom line, I want to create a good life for my family, a good life for my team and a good life for myself and a good life for the people that we are in business with. And like, that's, it's kind of simple and, and fundamental and, and boring, but it's, it's true. Um, and then also, you know, real estate has been, has been a great vehicle for me to be a a female business owner. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, part of what I'm passionate about is, is empowering women to, to be breadwinners as well. And so, you know, Laura is, is the primary breadwinner for her family. And I feel like that that should be, uh, it should be more normative. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I, I want, I love our lady team and what were you going to (laughs) say? Don't get too far with that because my partner would love to quit his job and ride bikes all day. So don't, don't give him any (laughs) ideas. Aaron. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I just, I just, uh, I think when people talk about your team and your big why those accolades should come from other people. It shouldn't be a tagline that you put on your postcards because that's mm-hmm. just not authentic. Um, so, you know, I want uh, I want to inspire other women and ha- have women be in business and, and have a seat at the table with regard to business decisions and, and policy making. So, so those are things that I'm very very passionate about. I think that's very clear on your big why. I think you're really clear on that. I and, and I agree with you. I think. I think the mistakes people make is they believe that their big why has to be either altruistic, right? Oh, I'm going to save the planet. I'm going to save the world, whatever, or extremely financial. You know, we've all been in coaching groups where they go, well, we'll stretch your big why, raise your lid, you know, raise your lid. And then there's a disconnect, right? At some point. And it's because the stress, the tension between where you're at and where your goal is disconnects when you break that, when the mind can't conceive it, it can't achieve it, right? Right. 
So what I like about your big why is it's within your world. You know you can achieve it. You know you can affect. You're not saying, I'm going to save all the women in the world. You're saying, hey, these people that I care about, I'm going to make a difference in their lives so they can make their difference in their, their life. And you go back to like Viktor Frankl, right, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning, right? He says, he, he says in the book, he says, you got to surrender to, to something greater than oneself. And in the long run, in the long run, success will find you simply because you're no longer looking for it. Because what you're doing is you're attracting those people to allow you to fulfill that vision, right? So, so I think it's, I think it's super clear. But, yeah, it's obvious that you, know, you two have a tremendous amount of respect for each other and you enjoy being in business with each other. And, you know, you'd probably be friends if you weren't in business with we each other. Yeah. yeah, we are friends. I mean, that's you are friends, right? that, yeah. They were in a biker gang. Remember? Well, that's right. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about we that. We have yeah. jerseys. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate this conversation today. I mean, your business is, is just so just buttoned up and nice and pretty. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, you make it look that way. Okay? <laughs> well, there are definitely other people that have businesses that just look messy. And, and the two of you just, it feels so good. And so where can people find you if they want to see more? Is there a website or social media? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can go to uh, our website is innovateproperties.com. And so it's spelled a clever way. It's I-N-N-O-V, the number eight, and then properties.com. Uh, we have our, we're on Instagram, uh, we're on YouTube as Innovate Properties. Uh, Laura and I both have uh, our individual social media accounts. We're on Facebook. Um, we, yes, we're, we're out there. We're everywhere. Awesome. Everywhere. And, and the name, where did the name come from? That, I mean, that's, that's all Matt. So, okay. so, so Matt, it was the genius behind the name and the branding. And when I, when we, parted ways, I just asked him if I could buy it because I was a new agent at the time and I didn't want my sphere to, to see, um, a disruption in, Mm -hmm. in my brand identity. And he, he gave it to me. It was, it was super generous. And so I'm forever grateful to Matt for, for that. Well, I'll make sure that he listens to this. (laughs) Yes, please do. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for spending time with us. I really appreciate the conversation. Love your business. Love what you both are doing and uh, we will talk to everyone soon. 